0: Hi everyone, I'm your host, Jaco Selka, and you are listening to Hopefully Sustainable. Each week, I'm going to talk to extraordinary people who are doing extraordinary things to make the world a more sustainable place. My goal is for this episode to leave you feeling hopeful about an idea, a person, or the world in general. Thank you for joining me in this conversation, and all together, we can be Hopefully Sustainable. Hi everyone! Welcome back to another episode of Hopefully Sustainable. This week, I got to sit down with Lauren Hamilton, the Vice President of Programs for the Greening Youth Foundation. The Greening Youth Foundation is on a mission to engage underrepresented youth and young adults while connecting them to the outdoors and careers in conservation. Before stepping into her current role, Lauren Hamilton has seen all different aspects of the sustainability field. Lauren has served as a coordinator for the University of Georgia Extension Service, the county recycling manager for DeKalb County, the executive director for the nonprofit Keep DeKalb Beautiful. She's been a coordinator for the Georgia State University Office of Sustainability, and served as a recycling analyst for Cox Enterprises alongside one of our former guests, Megan Reeves. Throughout the episode, Lauren Hamilton walks us through all of her jobs and talks about how she has worked with the social, environmental, and business sides of sustainability. Now, in her current role as Vice President of Programs for the Greening Youth Foundation, Lauren is taking all that she has learned from her past jobs and all of her experiences and giving back to the youth in such a valuable way. We also discuss how. Earlier this year, the event that happened in New York with Christian Cooper and Amy Cooper, where Christian was birdwatching in a public park, and a white woman decided to call the police after claiming that she felt threatened. After this event, many Americans and people around the world got to see how there is still a huge lack of equity and accessibility that exists for people of color in the outdoors. Lauren talks about how the Greening Youth Foundation is working to increase this equity and accessibility in the outdoors and how the Greening Youth Foundation is specifically working with underrepresented youth and young adults to help them know that they have a place in the outdoors and that they can serve in positions of power in conservation and different environmental fields. I really enjoyed our conversation. Lauren is so passionate and super enthusiastic, so she made for a really fun guest. I hope you all enjoy the episode. Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited that I'm finally getting to talk with you. Our former guest, Megan Reeves, recommended you. You guys used to be coworkers, and she described you as a Wonder Woman. So I'm very excited to learn all about you and learn about all the incredible work that you've been doing. So before I give away too much, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background?
1: Sure. First I wanna say Megan is more than amazing. She still inspires me and it's that's that's coming a lot because there's such an age gap in, in the two of us, but when you can find a young person that still inspires you and, and moves you. Uh, that's, that's definitely Megan for me. So she's amazing. But my name's Lauren, Lauren Hamilton, and I, um, originally from New Jersey, but I also, also call myself a Georgia transplant. I'm a Georgia peach all day now. <laughs> uh, my current role is VP of programs at Green Youth Foundation. Um, but I, and basically a city girl in, or a farm girl in a city girl's body. I kind of grew up um, with such a love and a passion for the environment and that came from my parents who um, are natives from Guyana which is in South America and so they had a strong passion and love for the land and appreciation for just conservation in general and they instilled that into me as a young child so I kind of grew up in a household where I always thought my dad was, he is just amazing. Everybody's dad doesn't know how to grow a banana tree in the middle of New Jersey that I, <laughs> I feel like that's, that was a thing for me. I honestly believed that. But as I grew up, I, I realized no, there's a skill and there's a talent and there's something to being able to have a love for gardening and the outdoors and, and enjoying those spaces. And so. Uh, my career after school kind of took off into the space of um, environmental education and management. My very, very first job uh, was working for the USDA and the Natural Resource Conservation Service. And I absolutely love that experience because it, I really think it framed me. I was one of two uh, young African-American females who were going to be working Uh, in a tiny town called Wilmar, Minnesota. Shout out, Wilmar! And they had probably a population of less than six or 7,000 at the time. Um, And myself and another young lady from another historically Black college were there to do wetland delineations and work with our our farm service agency and the farmers there to rededicate or, or recommit land that was farmed to conservation practices. So it was probably everything that you're thinking it is in your head right now (laughs) in terms of, um, me not being very popular, (laughs) but also just one of those experiences where you'll never forget it. And I learned so much in that, um, I guess it was like three or four month time frame that I was out there in the beginning that um, it really shaped my thoughts and my opinions on my career path and what I wanted to be able to do uh, for people. And so I always give much thanks to my supervisor at that time who was truly the meaning of an ambassador, right? He was the one who helped me carve out and craft my voice and my expertise and my service um, and saying that I have something to contribute in this space and this, this knowledge and understanding of the importance of our taking care of our lands and um, how to work with people, no matter how you were perceived or uh, accepted or not accepted. <laughs> but it definitely was one of those experiences that I think today in my job with Greening Youth helps me really feel full circle about what I do because I also now have the opportunity to shape young people and their desire or their interest in pursuing a career in an environmental field or even in conservation. So I'm really getting to pay it forward and it's so awesome.
0: (laughs) Wow, well I'm really excited to dive into all of the jobs that you've had and the breadth of sustainability that you've been able to touch. But I'd love to start out by talking about your education. Where did you get your undergrad from and how did you pick which major you wanted to go into after growing up with such a love and passion for the environment and agriculture? So
1: I got my undergrad in Ag Science and Business from Tennessee State University. Go Big Blue! And we are the True TSU. It is also a HBCU, a historically black college, a land grant institution and their program for agriculture management and business is probably one of the best in the country. Um, They uh, pretty much drafted me and I I was able to receive a full scholarship to major in that field there and was under some really great tutelage uh, and learning about our natural lands and our natural spaces and crafting uh, an environment uh, whether it was urban or, or rural ag understanding and um, that institution was the one who really wanted to see young people in this field they, they understood that for a very long time um, the people who go into careers and in, with the USDA especially with the federal government they're there for a very long time <laughs> yes. into retirement really and so there there becomes a gap when you don't have a steady succession or a st- steady movement of people into those fields to get that institutional knowledge and translate that into a new job. So we had internships that we did every year. That, like I said, I started with the USDA and then NRCS. And um, uh, after my tenure at uh, Tennessee State, I pursued my master's degree at UGA. Go, go, dogs! <laughs> and. Um, that, that move um, really got prompted from another um, job opportunity. So I pursued my master's degree while I was working. Um, I was, at the time, working for the University of Georgia's Cooperative Extension Program. Um, and that program is really another opportunity that I had to work in a community uh, with uh, community groups, whether they were gardening or they were landscapers or they were, um, pesticide applicators, business owners, landscape architects, all of those things who were looking for community-based resources for information on how to really take care of plants the right way. So I worked with the Master Gardener program, I became a Master Gardener, Um, I worked, um, with the 4-H program, I did several camps, Thank Go Tybee. And um, one of the offerings there was to pursue a a degree, a master's degree through UGA um, for cooperative extension agents. So I pursued that program and left with my master's in environmental education and organizational management.
0: Why was it important for you to get your master's degree in sustainability? So um, the really funny thing is and i'm probably going to
1: date myself here the program that i was in was not called sustainability but it evolved into that said program probably way after i left but i think that that idea that you should find ways to leave our world in a better state than it was before and crafting that into an educational program was so vital for people who are already working in that field, right? Like we are doing this every day. Now let's give a formalized uh, mechanism to teaching that information and sharing that information so that people are prepared for those careers. It's such a a wide range of fields and um, jobs and careers. I mean, sustainability can encompass, encompass some of everything related to natural resources, right? Um, So I think that trying to help people get that formalized education and and definitely for myself in a master's program was so vital to being able to take my craft in my job uh, onto the next level.
0: Since sustainability is becoming more of a buzzword and a more mainstream term how has your view of sustainability or the meaning of sustainability for you evolved over time since you got your master's degree I I mean definitely sustainability is it's hot I never thought it
1: would be sexy look at it it's (laughs) sexy now (laughs) but that's 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 good right for the longest it seemed like I was talking to the choir or talking to folks who just did not get it nor did they want to get it they never wanted to accept it but now that it's become such a household name for for lack of a better term or whatever it does help my cause but hurt it in some ways there's been um some greenwashing in the industry and um at times that can be very detrimental to the work that needs to be done um but it also speaks to the need to meeting people where they are in their understanding of sustainability. Everyone's motivation to be uh, more sustainable or be more green is not gonna come from the same heartfelt, passionate place of my dad with the banana tree. It's just not. <laughs> You're gonna need to meet people where they are, whether that's defining sustainability as an, uh, a measure of trying to be more efficient, Um, Or or be a better steward of the resources that you have financially or or if it's just sustainability in terms of, you know, we need to do what we do to really save our resources, our natural resources for the imminent threat of climate change and and those things like that. Or if it's just, hey, um, being green is my way of life. Um, It's the way that I've decided to live those best practices for me and my family. And your ability to reach people and impart knowledge and get them to um, participate or adapt to behaviors that are more sustainable is that having that understanding that sustainability is gonna evolve. It's gonna look different from today than it did many years ago. And uh, we need to be able to change with the technology and the innovation, as well as with the way that we impart that knowledge to people and their personal beliefs and acceptance, right?
0: When you talk about working with people who don't necessarily know or understand what sustainability is or the importance of it, it really kind of reminds me of my experience. I graduated in the College of Agriculture and Environmental Science from UGA, but it was actually a very interesting experience being in that college because I was in a lot of classes sitting next to many students who came from very conservative backgrounds and didn't necessarily believe in climate change or understand the importance of sustainability. So how do you go about, or how did you go about working with these people and conveying the importance of sustainability to people who didn't necessarily understand it? So I actually
1: wanna say and highlight that one of my previous job experiences with Cox Enterprises when I did get to work with Megan Um, really helped me in that area and that space because it's that understanding that uh, not everyone (laughs) is in it for the same reasons that helped me kind of craft a message to that audience that may sway more conservatively or or may be driven by more of a need for a bottom line and the fact of the matter is sustainable business practices do make great business sense. They do help you function more in a more optimized manner. And so uh, again, it's that motivation and making that case and that understanding to whatever entity, whether it's a business partner or a corporation or a nonprofit that you're making good business sense and business decisions when you're doing this. The investment, um, uh, that used to be very, very high to get to some of these uh, better management practice or b- better efficiency or sustainable practices has changed over time. It used to be very expensive to implement some of these sustainable practices, whether it was solar energy or, or alternative energy sources or, or conservation practices for your, for your water systems and things like that. That investment used to be huge, but now that the industry has kind of caught up in the sense of finding more uh, economical ways to make those things happen, um, it really does make great business sense. And so I, I found that that avenue, uh, everyone's common language can be money sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and while that probably doesn't help a lot of the diehard sustainability enthusiasts, very much it's just that understanding of of how we have to um, manage our expectations and the people that we're working with from day to day on every level whether whether it's just trying to teach sustainability or it's just organizational management and working as a team because this is a team effort we're not going to get to a more sustainable world planet unless we're all in it together
0: yes definitely well, you mentioned you're a master gardener and I don't yeah. want to let that one pass by. Can you talk about oh my gosh. how you became a master gardener and what that means? I miss
1: those days, I really do. But the Master Gardener program is a, is a, uh, a national program, really, where they take the basic principles and elements to gardening, soil management, uh, soil understanding, and growth of plants and taking it into a learning and education course. And you can do it at any age. They actually have junior Master Gardener programs as well um, that you can take into the school systems and, and teach young young people uh, to appreciate as well. Um, but the Master Gardener program that I did was through uh, the Metro Atlanta cluster. They they actually used to do it together. Gosh, I feel so old. The Metro Atlanta Cluster used to work to do this um, with Cobb, Gwinnett, and Decab. I think Fulton as well, to uh, aggregate resources from the extension agents that would teach this course. And so we not only had the extension agents who had all of the experience and background in plant management, but the backing of UGA and the scientists there to give the other horticultural knowledge and and information as well Um, but we also had like guest speakers and things like that i think at walter reeves was a big one that we used to have a lot but it was a a course that you had to do in order to get the information but then you had hours and projects that you had to work on as well whether they were gardening projects or uh, things related to initiatives that your specific county extension program was doing for the community.
0: I bet your dad was really proud of you that you were carrying on his legacy of working in the garden and being in the agricultural field.
1: Oh my god. The, the funny part is when I was doing this program I actually was living in an apartment and so everything I learned I would kind of go back and do at my mom and dad's house. <laughs> so they, they have the most beautiful yard for the longest and then i would like i got my own home and was doing it my house and my dad was like wait where's all that plant material like i'm not getting the same stuff that i used to get so it
0: it, (laughs) (laughs) it had its benefits right (laughs) (laughs) well it sounds like you have touched basically every single aspect of sustainability you've worked at a variety of jobs including a coordinator for the uga extension service like you mentioned the County Recycling Manager for DeKalb County, the Executive Director for the nonprofit Keep DeKalb Beautiful, a Coordinator for Georgia State University in their Office of Sustainability, and recently a Recycling Analyst for Cox Enterprises, where you worked with Megan. Can you walk us through some of these jobs and what you took away and learned from them? Absolutely. Um,
1: So starting with the Extension Service, a lot of the common threads through most of my jobs was, I'm a people person. (laughs) I absolutely love that moment where I can work with people, um, helping them get a better understanding and appreciation for the environment and the outdoors. Um, So working at the extension agency meant that I got to work with lots of homeowners as well as businesses on their best practices and needs for horticulture um, and and advisement basically. So it was working with master gardener programs that had wonderful initiatives in the community or it was working with uh, garden clubs who were looking to do raised bed gardens and community gardens with plots um, or those pesticide landscape managers who needed licensing and understanding about those applications, whether there were more environmentally friendly ones to use or some of those commercial products and how to use them properly and, and keep them from being um, harmful to the environment in their usage. Um, and then in my role with uh, DeKalb County, uh, DeKalb County is a, is a very large um, county in, a, in the metro area. And so it spans something like 120 odd schools. Um, over 300,000 households and the program uh, that they were running through public works for the sanitation division um, was a curbside recycling program um, that also wanted an education program to go along with that because it it's just wasn't enough to be collecting it um, in its current form. We needed to recycle right and recycle often. <laughs> Uh, not only to do the right thing, but the, DeKalb County runs and operates its own landfill. And so they wanted to make sure that that landfill was not A resource that would end up being a burden to the taxpayers, as well as um, they needed to make sure the longevity of it took place so that Recycling program was saving years of landfill space because those materials that needed to be recycled were not getting thrown away. They were getting put back into the recycling infrastructure and end use markets and getting used again. So I, I ran an education program for that recycling piece, uh, as well as the Keep the Cap Beautiful program, which was their outreach and community um, engagement hand from the county. Um, for that nonprofit. So it worked in tandem uh, with the county's uh, public works division to also do that programming information. We worked again with some really awesome volunteer programs who shared my passion. I, I think that I was right at home meeting those individuals who loved their neighborhoods and wanted to see them litter free and recycling and beautify through green and, and, and garden spaces. And so we did years and years of programming aimed at doing just that and helping the residents really take um, ownership of their own spaces. I mean, I, a lot of what um, needed to happen was there, the county provided some additional services, but it, it needed to do that in conjunction with those residents who could really be the boots on the ground towards making uh, our county the really beautiful and and engaging space that it was. So uh, that was another great experience, uh, helping to work with groups to really bring out the very best in the places where they were living and working and playing. And then um, experiencing the services that the county had for them and then making those uh, reach to the highest level that they could uh by maximizing that experience or that partnership right and then and that affiliate network was also a, a very near and dear to my heart because keep decap beautiful was a part of the uh larger statewide affiliate network which was keep georgia beautiful which was also part of the national program keep america beautiful um, so it just um i really think that that exemplifies me this model of Uh, You've got to have levels to engagement, whether it's your local level to your state level to your national level and being able to do your part in each piece in order to see real change and and real impact. And then uh, my job with Cox Enterprises, which, like I said, I just got to work with Megan. She was so amazing. They, they, for me, um, oh my goodness, I left out. I don't want to leave them out. I worked at Georgia State as well. Um, as their recycling coordinator is also doing that same education piece and uh, program management piece for students who I think were energized. That's the word I always use. They can drive you to do better and not give up. Uh, I think a lot of times in our environmental fields, I mean, you get kind of bogged down in the rigmarole of, of trying to convince everyone to go green. <laughs> it's not easy for you to stay optimistic every day. But the students, um, you know, they had such an injection of life and purpose, and to help craft that and see a career path for them uh, that whether it was directly in the green field or it was whatever they can impart and impact towards that field. For conservation and preservation of our resources was always so thrilling to me and and rewarding at the end of the day, and so uh, the student piece, I, as great as it was, I did walk away from it because I understood that all right, I had the unique um, experience where I could work with uh, the local community, homeowners, and the government. I'd had this experience with students and young people. Uh, that piece that I said I don't really feel like I've been able to get that in-person feeling to was the business community. And they controlled a very large piece of our impacts and what we're able to do so far as sustainability. And so I had at the time, I think I had done, um, it was like for the Green Chamber of the South. And I was presenting at at like a round table for it and there was a representative from cox enterprises and i kept thinking they do what (laughs) they're one of those uh sleeper companies right like they are so great and amazing in their own fields but on the other side of that their impact in the environmental spaces is so huge but they would never brag they just wouldn't you know because they do it for all of the right reasons and so Working at Cox and their uh, Cox Conserve Sustainability Division was so rewarding. Uh, there was an excellent team of individuals who worked on sustainability, both internally for the company and externally in those communities that they serve through their cable company and uh, through their media companies and through their automotive companies. And they were actually walking the walk and talking the talk. Everything that they did was so intentional, and um, I enjoyed that they were so goal driven um, and looking towards making a real measurable impact when it came to sustainability. So there's waste diversion team uh, with some rock stars. I still think they're amazing. I, I keep calling them our waste diversion goal because I'm never giving it up. Zero waste to landfall by 2024 was an, an amazing goal and the achievements they had made thus far were um, ones that are unforgettable and the impact will be seen for years and years and years. And so then my last role here, uh, or my most up-to-date role, uh, which I call, call my dream job, which I think is really funny because I've always had great jobs, right? All of these experiences have carved me and framed me to be who I am. But the greening youth experience is the one that I think speaks most to my passion in the sense that, I really see my role, my purpose in life being imparting to young people um, that you, too, have a space and a place in conservation and, and natural resource preservation. And it doesn't mean that you've got a job hugging trees or um, doing horticultural management. I mean, you don't have to have that job. You can have that job as an accountant or as a human resources uh, uh, technician, whatever it is, you can, you can impart and leave our planet in a better place, in a better space, right where you are. And Greening Youth gets that mission. They get that vision and they have taken it upon themselves to say, we will make change in this space and show people what environmental careers look like. And they've done that in avenues through partnerships with our federal land management agencies. Um, they've done that for the private sector and the nonprofits and the businesses that they work for, work with uh, in outdoor retailers, and they've done that even for our at promise youth. And we say at promise rather than at risk um, because maybe they are taking a career path that doesn't have a trajectory into higher ed and college, but they too can learn the trade skills and um, business savvy to work in the green industry. Uh, So we have initiatives in those three areas already. Um, We work with our our YCC, which is our Youth Conservation Corps, and the UIC, which is our Urban Conservation Corps. And then we've got a really exciting program for environmental education for our kids um, that works with school systems and now a new virtual platform because our kids are learning from home. It's been exciting and rewarding, probably uh, like no other job that I've had.
0: Wow. Well, it's incredible how many different jobs you've had and how you've touched all different aspects of sustainability. I'm really excited to get into the Greening Youth Foundation, but I have one last question for all of the youth out there who are graduating high school or graduating college and are trying to decide on their own career path. I hear a lot of the time and from my own experience, it can be challenging to find a job or career in the sustainability field. Do you have any advice for anyone out there who wants to pursue their passion for sustainability and try to find a job in the sustainability field?
1: Absolutely. I think that um, if you're going through your mechanisms through your schools or things like that and their recruitment areas and you're not finding um, good traction, Oh, many of the companies and businesses and nonprofits that are in this space are always looking for volunteers. They are always looking for you to bring that energy and passion that you have um, to their company and organization and to make that case for yourself. This is why you need me, this is what I can bring to the table as an asset. And they often um, are working with very small budgets, but If you are a volunteer and you're showing up every day and you are uh, demonstrating what you can bring to the table, I can't envision an organization that could not make space for you, knowing that you have brought so much to them and are are contributing to their goals and their overall success. So volunteering, whether it's in a, a small capacity on a committee or uh, joining as a member of an organization and being involved in their planning and their, their, their events and things like that. Those networking opportunities, right? Because you're, you're not only giving your time, but you're getting this networking opportunity to be in this space with individuals who may have a job ready for you right then or who are willing to make a space for you on their staff because of your heart and what you've brought to the table.
0: That's really great advice and a really great place to start out for anyone who is looking to get more involved in sustainability. So now I'm looking forward to learning more about Greeting Youth Foundation. First off, congratulations on taking your new role as VP of programs. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your role is with Greeting Youth Foundation and what kind of programs they offer? Absolutely, so Greeting Youth, Again, like I I followed my very own advice.
1: (laughs) I have been volunteering on the board for Greening Youth for years and said that this is a mission that I'm so passionate about. Bringing the environmental careers and education and knowledge uh, to our underserved or underrepresented individuals is a passion. It's a a dream for me. And so uh, my role as VP of Programs is overseeing those initiatives that work to do just that. Um, As I stated, we've got an environmental education piece that we think is very relevant and needed that we start imparting that importance and that knowledge and that stewardship factor into our young people. So the uh, Forever Green uh, environmental curriculum piece that Greening Youth uses um, does STEM-based and environmental education-based curricula for students age K through 12. So we're able to do that uh, prior to the pandemic in school programs um, throughout Metro Atlanta. Um, We retrofitted some of the aspects of that program, um, probably in May, yes, May, to help see the need for environmental education in facing the pandemic. Uh, There were schools that were not offering programs. There were um, camps and summer programs that were looking for how do we engage our young people. And then I want to say that even personally for me, we were stir-crazy in the house. But it was those moments during the day where we can get outside, whether it was in the backyard or just a quick walk around the neighborhood, that normalized us, um, that brought peace and comfort in a time that was seemingly very tumultuous. And um, mentally and physically, that exposure to the outdoors was really helping myself and my husband and my family stay sane. Yes, <laughs> and, and, and just understanding that um, the outdoors can be so therapeutic. So let's bring that therapy to our young people who are stuck in the house and not experiencing the summer camps and things like that. So we we took our curriculum that is usually in person and made it virtual. Well, we took them out to uh, Greening Youth's Urban Conservation Training Institute, which is basically this beautiful little four acre oasis in the middle of West Atlanta near the bent line, um, where we've got um a small urban farm we've got a chicken coop and a hoop house and a space for where i'm planning on doing my own little wetland delineation one day (laughs) and we took our programming and did some virtual um instructional videos coupled with uh like the same kind of format that everyone's been using um, whether it's a digital platform for zoom or whatever And we made these lesson plans and and said, hey, this is how you can continue to have your outdoors inside. And then we coupled that with a a supplemental kit that we mailed to folks. So it was called a green box. And so it's a cute little box that went along with your lesson plan to help you learn about the environment. And the children loved it. I mean, we were getting calls all day. Is it too late to sign up for the curriculum? I know Uh you're already- on your second week but we're all like can we join now we're like yes 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 come on so that forever green environmental curriculum green box is is where we start with our our young aged individuals and then we take it up to our um college age students through the youth conservation corps and so we partnered with um the department of interior and those agencies there within whether it's the national park service the forest service um Uh, lots of different offices, OPP, OPH, to provide internship opportunities um, and recruit for those positions um, within our different mechanisms. So we're always looking to diversify and bring those underserved, underrepresented individuals into those agencies so that they can continue to um, showcase to young people that These public spaces, these these land management spaces are open for everyone and everyone should enjoy them and to have that experience at a national park or a local park or a state park. And see people of color, like yourself, enjoying those spaces, recreating in those spaces is so key to getting people to want to protect those spaces. Like you can't wanna protect or engage a space that you don't know anything about. You don't see. You don't. You don't find a, a connection with. And so uh, we are able to help our young people get those jobs and those internships, and hopefully make those life-changing experiences, where they too uh, gain better perspective and better understanding of the environment and wanting to be stewards. And some of these positions are not just your forest ranger or a uh, tree care management expert, they are jobs in accounting um, interpretation, right? They've got so many parts that you need those interpretive skills to relate to everyone in the community. So, we are able to help recruit for those positions. They um, have internships, whether they are summer long internships or year long internships. It's, it's just part of the agreement that we work out with that particular agency. And then, in addition to that work experience, Greening Youth has really changed the game in understanding that a true intern needs that coaching and mentoring piece in order to feel successful. So, they are basically dropping somebody in a new job, right? And they don't know anybody. Sometimes they're remote. It depends on what park you're at. But you need some tutelage to help you craft and find your voice. That was my story, right? Crafting and finding your voice and having that ambassador that can make that happen for you. So Greening Youth works very, very hard to provide that supplemental piece to our interns where we have webinars, we have individual coaching sessions with them, we provide professional development where we bring in speakers and trainers to help them really craft their career there. And we do that throughout their time as an intern and then extended beyond that time if they are not even working for us anymore, they still have access to those benefits. Um, And then the last part that I'll mention is is through our Urban Youth Conservation Corps and those individuals that I kind of mentioned are not quite on the college track, but still need that experience and exposure to our green spaces, are able to receive job training skills from every green infrastructure, Uh, um, field that you can think of. I think one of the crews last week was out there working on an aquaponics project for a park near Brown's Mill. So, I mean, they're getting those skill sets hands on. They're getting more soft skills training, whether it's that coaching piece, that mentoring piece, um, anything else to help really develop the individual personally and professionally to enter into the workplace and be successful. Um, and we must see, I think it was so staggering that they gave us the number, you know, everybody's at that time of year where we're crunching numbers. I think we must see somewhere from, it was nine to 10,000 interns a year that we wow. are seeing and placing. And then now being able to see them turn into job placement, permanent hire that then come back and ask us to help them recruit another intern. So that. That's the story of success, right? You, you, they were an intern, they got hired full time and now they're like, hey, I need an intern. So it's, it's just amazing to see the growth and the, the beauty of the organization really being successful because that means that the impact is there and it really works. It's a model that works.
0: I just think this foundation is so incredible and so important and the work that you guys are doing is having such an impact. And I'd like to ask you, as Americans and people around the world saw earlier this year with Christian Cooper and Amy Cooper, there is clearly still a lack of equity and accessibility that exists in the outdoors. Can you talk about the importance of connecting people and specifically these underrepresented youth and young adults that you all work with to the outdoors and careers in conservation?
1: Absolutely. So I think that that's such a poignant question. And it's one that we've been addressing um, through GYF and the experiences that we're having with our youth. Um, We are always looking to improve upon what we do. And so understanding that in order to really be successful in that space, right, planting and helping people get those careers in the environmental space, they have to feel safe. They have to feel like they belong, and they have to be a part of a culture that is welcoming and engaging. So we can provide some of that. And then some of it, you know, is kind of left up to the responsibility of others. But as much as we can impart on our half that safe space, that ambassador to make your entry into that space. Um, that equipping you with the knowledge and understanding of that space and helping you feel like you have that right to be there is so important. And then knowing that that first impression that you have in that experience is going to stay with you forever. So if I had gotten to um, Wilmar years ago and been like, oh my God, this is horrible. I, I could have walked away and you would not be speaking to Lauren Hamilton today, right? but because i had someone who really dedicated themselves to saying hey this is a job you can do this is a space you can be in you have something to share we see your gift and we want it there it makes a world of a difference and then coupling that with that support network of our intern alum of our staff of our partners at these land management agencies ah they're just amazing i i am I'm always thrilled to talk to someone from uh, our land management agencies because they're like, it's like a reunion every time we talk to someone. But they, those partners who really want to see them have success where they are as well, um, make the difference and make uh, all of the impact in the world and helping young people of color be in those spaces and understand that they have a right to be there and that you can recreate in your own way. Whether you decide that it's birding, or you're just gonna have a barbecue, or you're gonna go on a hike, or it's a picnic, you can recreate and enjoy those spaces however you want to, as long as you're safe and respectful of that environment. So it's making those spaces welcoming by having more faces that look like you there, whether they work there, volunteer there, or they are also recreating with you there, but also growing your appreciation and knowledge of understanding of those spaces, the history of those spaces, so that you will go out and explore and be there more often, and then take somebody else with you next time, and then they take somebody else with you next time. Now you are growing the impact and and the, the sphere of influence of people who are enjoying those spaces and showing that we can all enjoy them in a peaceful manner
0: yes it's like we've talked about on previous episodes we can't have sustainability unless it's an equitable and inclusive world for all so that definitely applies to the outdoors and just making sure that everyone feels respected and comfortable in these outdoor spaces is so important yeah
1: and helping those individuals who are not there yet right so greening youth has um training that we offer to all of our partners in the sense of understanding that you do have a responsibility as well in making this space comfortable and accommodating for a young person of color to be there. Um, whether it's understanding implicit bias and, and understanding um, how they are going to be incorporated into your culture or into your workplace, pairing that intern with a mentor or a partner on site so that there's two in one place and they don't have to feel like I'm really um, that those things do really make that experience better.
0: What are some examples of jobs that alumni of Greening Youth Foundation have gone on to get? And what kind of feedback have you received from the youth that have gone through these amazing programs? Oh, they are
1: so great. So um, they have gone on to take the supervisory roles at some of their park sites that they've worked on. Um, whether they are now the park ranger there at MLK, or they are now, um, a park ranger there at Timaquan um, parks, national park site, it's, it's really a wide range of those jobs. And like I said, it's not limited to actual environmental jobs. Um, they range from everything from a digital archives technician working at Tuskegee to transfer all of their written documentations and narratives about the site and the history of that site to digital pieces that can be shared with the public and archived for everyone's enjoyment and pleasure. So those careers and fields are really wide ranging. they um, there are jobs where individuals are uh, working on historical preservation. So they are um, historical preservation architects. They've got the skill set to know what it takes to really um, bring back to life a site that um, was the home site for one of our great and dear um, individuals or, or heroes in the past and make it live today so that any and everyone who was visiting that site is able to know their story see where they grew up and have an appreciation of it and it live on for generations and generations i mean some of our historical spaces and sites they are very old and we want them to be still safe spaces and preserved for time in its entirety so um we we have lots of information about the types of jobs that we have Um, uh, we list them on our website in the recruitment, and we're always hiring. I I don't know that there's a, a time period where we're like no well, no jobs right now, and the the really awesome thing about um, this COVID um, time is that we haven't slowed down. Those park spaces being um, in high demand for people who are kind of locked in the home, but they can go to their their public spaces and and recreate means that they are looking for uh, and wanting to hire more people to manage those spaces and make them available for the public.
0: That's really great to hear that the pandemic has not negatively affected the jobs in that sense, and this gives me so much hope to know that all of these energized youth, as you described earlier, are out there filling these jobs and are entering the sustainability space. That's really exciting. I know that, Megan, and now I look up to you as an inspiration in the sustainability field, but I'm wondering who you look up to or where you find your inspiration from. Oh, well, I think I mentioned my dad. My parents are
1: amazing. I'm always going to be thankful to them. They, they're they still both alive, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention them. I'm sure they would. <laughs> They pull out that Guyanese accent in a minute. Like, oh, you didn't say anything to us. So yes, my parents are amazing. I'll
0: give them that shout out. Gotta
1: give that shout out. Um, I actually have such a love and appreciation for the founder and CEO of our organization, Anjula Ezela. She is, I mean, she's a rock. and And definitely the, we call her the driving force behind the vision and implementation of Greening Youth. Her and her husband, who are a tag team in bringing the vision and mission of GYF to life, are truly inspiring in their work and their ability to work as a couple, as well as um, empower everyone underneath them to be great and to take up this mantle and to make it your own. Um, so I I definitely her, hold her in high regard. Um, I also love Angela Davis. She was uh, such a great activist, and I cannot say enough about how that her story and her impact um, drives me to always have a voice and always speak out in injustice. So I I love her to pieces. I mean I don't I don't think any of our young young women are like Beyonce. I mean I love her. She (laughs) she is a workhorse, but I I definitely know that I attribute a lot of my dreaming and my wanting to be a better person and knowing that um, i had the greatest parents in the world and and wanting to make them proud um is is a is a key element to who i am and then i've got two little people who consistently inspire me i have a daughter and a son of my own um and if there's nothing else that i can do is it to make that their childhood and their growth and life experience is wonderful is what I've been gifted with.
0: Well, they are very lucky to have you as their mom. And I'm sure that they look up to you and are so proud of you for working so hard to make the world that they're going to grow up in a better place. Absolutely. How can listeners support the Greening Youth Foundation? I'm sure after hearing this episode, listeners are going to want to find out more about what they can do to support the mission and follow along.
1: So, uh, the Greening Youth will always encourage folks to look at our hiring, right? If you're looking for a job, we got you, boo. If you're not looking for a job, but you're lo- just looking for an opportunity to support and donate to our organization, you can do that through our website, which is gyfoundation.org. Um, we're always, always very appreciative of individuals who are really t- willing to put their money. Um, and time into seeing our organization grow. We have scaled back the opportunities to actually volunteer with Greening Youth at this time. It's just not something we're able to do in a safe and respectful manner to mitigate the risk for COVID. But if you continue to follow us on our social media and on our website, you can see any of the wonderful programming opportunities we still have available. Uh, For example, we're working with the MLK National Park site on a virtual camp out, which I think folks are going to love. So more to come on that. I think that's slated for October. If you'd love to see that and how that goes and how you can become a part of it, um, that more information about that is gonna be available.
0: Oh, that sounds really cool. I'll definitely have to look into that. As we come to the end of the episode, I like to ask all of our guests what they are hopeful about. So I'd love to know what you're finding hope in right now or what you're hopeful about. Oh, ah, that's
1: such a good question. You know, I was talking to my husband the other day and we were looking back at 2020 and we're like, oh man, this probably hasn't panned out how we thought it was going to go. But I will say this, there is some light into what we've gone through this year. And I am hopeful that like my husband and myself, Folks have taken the time to step back and see what this introspective time has meant to you. Hopeful that folks will step back and see that we are really better together as as individuals, as a nation, as a country, as a community, as communities, whatever it is you want to define it as. We're better together and when we work in tandem, those things do happen and the impacts are greater um the divisiveness is not necessary it's better for us to work towards this joint goal of sustainability than these individual efforts we'll never get there if we're not doing it together and then i'm hopeful that um folks will continue to find that appreciation um with their families and the connections that you were forced to make (laughs) because you weren't mm, busy with the normal everyday life like i i'm hopeful that people were able to get those deeper connection calls with family members that they didn't do before or um, more insight into their kids. I mean, my, my daughter is amazing. Oh, I just, I, I smiled just talking about her, but just having had the opportunity to see her, I hope that there's just at least one more individual out there who was like, ah, oh, I got to use this time to get closer to get deeper, to get healthier, to get more sustainable. And I'm hopeful that they can take that away from them or take that away as we continue into the rest of the year.
0: Yes, I love that. We truly are better together, like you said. Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. You truly are a force to be reckoned with. And I'm so glad that you're a part of the sustainability movement and You are having such a huge impact in so many different ways. So thank you for sharing your breadth of knowledge on sustainability (laughs) and all of your experiences with us today. Oh, thank you. I am so
1: pleased to have been a part of it. I love your podcast. It's amazing. I can't wait to help you do whatever it is that you need to be even more successful.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more about today's guest or just say hello, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at hopefully sustainable pod. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As you finish this episode, remember that we are all on a personal journey to make the world a better place, but it's all about progress, not perfection. Until next time, stay hopeful and stay sustainable.